Hello everyone. I'm excited to announce that this October 14th and 15th, I will be at the Teach Better Conference. I will be presenting a workshop as well as recording live podcast episodes from the conference. I hope to see as many of you there as possible. And if you'd like to attend, you can head over to teachbetterconference.com slash register to get registered today. And as a bonus, if you use the code shut up and teach all one word in lowercase, shut up and teach, you can save $50 on your two day registration. So head on over there to teachbetterconference.com slash register. Use the code shut up and teach to save $50 on your registration fee. And I hope to see you there. time of like it's time to start getting ready for school but like it's still summer and it's like a Saturday and it's like the hottest part of the day so it's like you can't really go outside and do anything so like and I again I love our house like you know our we are creators and so we sit around with music playing we have conversations we read books we create music we create art like so it's just the perfect Saturday, although yeah. it's very humid, so I have a cruddy cough. <laughs> a cruddy cough. That's okay. Feel free to cough away if you need to. Okay. It's I no apologize problem. now. It sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tracy, um, I, I had an idea for this podcast, and... I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. I just liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I had an idea this morning for this podcast, and so I've been kind of stewing over it, um, or letting it stew for a minute, and... Uh, you know, kind of putting my thoughts together, coming up with some examples and things like that, and what that actually means for us as educators. You know, I like, you know, you and I are both artists, so we, you know, artists in different ways. You paint and draw and all that, and I, you know, create music. It's still creativity. It's all artists, and, you know, so we, we tend to think of, and we tend to look at things and then compare them to what actually matters, and, you know, and, and compare it to real life, and, and create a, you know, come up with a good comparison for that. So, um, here's the thought that I had this morning and it's, you don't have to be the lead singer to be a valued member of the band and to be a leader of the band. Okay. Okay. So your first example is? 
My fall out, fall out boy. My first because I think it's creepy. <laughs> I think it does. Like if there is a dichotomy there that Pete Wentz is the like leader of the band. Like this is his band. He speaks for the band. He is not the lead singer. Right. <clears throat> it's weird to me. It's weird. It, it, it seems. It seems weird, yeah, at first. But when you start exploring music, you realize that there's actually a lot of these bands that are like that. So um, one of my favorites, in fact, my favorite metalcore band is August Burns Red. Um, you mean the dude that like sings is not the lead singer of the band for August Burns Red? The, the lead singer? Yeah, he's not the, like, so, the, the leader of the band. He's not necessarily the... I mean, it's hard to say because they're a band and they work so well together. So they it's hard to collaborate. say that there's one one leader. But there's in every band, I feel like there's somebody who's the predominant writer, mm. you know, and then everybody kind of collaborates with them. Um, in this case, there and his name is gonna escape me. I know. I think it's Brent is the fir- is his first name. He's the rhythm guitar player for August Burns Red. Um, he he does some vocal tracks but not really a lot especially live um that's kind of left up not left up but it's kind of that is taken on by their bass player and then of course they have their lead singer who's you know the front man and he's you know bringing the energy and getting the crowd riled up and you know getting them pumped and all that the lead guitar player you know everybody loves him coming out in flip-flops you know and it's they're not the good kind of flip-flops they look like the cheap walmart <laughs> pair you know not cheap, bagging on cheap walmart flip-flops not bagging on them i i've owned i cheap have walmart a whole pair. bucket full of three dollar yeah. old navy flip-flops that i will never you. get rid of they will save your butt but you, you know. <laughs> I love but, you know, you know he comes out like this in such a unique look and all that and he's shredding on the guitar you know and all this their drummer obviously i the only drummer so he gets a lot of attention too so I don't feel like Brent always gets the credit that he deserves as a rhythm guitar player and for creating the content that the band then executes together yes he okay. creates a huge chunk of their content he writes a lot of their lyrics and writes a lot of their music along with their bass player their bass player actually writes a lot of the music parts too um, so this guy who's not at the forefront of the like literally he's not at the front of the stage all the time sure he goes up and you know does some stuff and everybody loves him i love the guy he's a great rhythm guitar player and in a metalcore band your rhythm section has to be spot on and he so he keeps that band that rhythm kind of going he does a phenomenal job at it but he's not necessarily like who we would consider like the leader of the band well, and I kind of feel like historically, like when we look at bands, like that's almost how they their demise is like the lead singer, the guy out front, then gets separated from his band and is given like a solo career, and then the band disintegrates. Right. Like, so, an example? Um, no doubt. Okay. Gwen Stefani. <clears throat> lead singer of the band like no doubt as a band was phenomenal mm-hmm. but now like once they separated and and she had a solo career like what what happened to them like we don't really hear about what happened to their band right. and obviously they haven't really come back together at this point to like re- to release an album together so like and like it's like one of those like 
it's like a lifetime movie plot, right? Like mm-hmm. the lead singer of the band gets separated out for a solo and then like it all falls apart and then he falls apart. Like it's kind of formulaic at this point. Like it's an old cliche, <clears throat> but you can see it happening. But I just feel like it is that because it's formulaic and we think of it that way, like has it always been, you know, Bob Wills? And the Texas Playboys, like the guy out front, and like right Johnny guy, Cash and the Tennessee Three, right? Like, yeah. are we just Joan so pro? Right? Yeah. Are we just so programmed to think about like the person being out front is the leader? Like, are we somehow programming ourselves to think that way? I mean, it, yeah, and that and that person though is important. You know, you and I have seen, you know, we saw Fallout Boy. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have a front man, but when it comes time to like speak to the crowd, he doesn't do it. He right? doesn't. He like kind of disappears. But we, and you compare that to Green Day, and Billy Joe is all over the stage. He's interacting with the crowd, he's he interacting talks to the with crowd. his band. He's like honestly one of the, probably one of the best front men that we've ro- seen in, lately in, for sure yeah in rock and roll history that we've for seen sure. live for sure and that we've seen live yeah well i will we say that but the the lead singer of hollow front when we saw them not too long ago he did a really good job of like working the crowd working the crowd and yeah. speaking and telling stories and stuff too right right <clears throat> so you know i think that's something that we think of, you bring up a good point we tend to look at the person who's in the front right we yeah. tend to look at the front man who's, you know, interacting with the crowd or, you know, the flashy lead guitar solo, you know, or whatever. And then we leave out some of these other people often. Um, And there's one more example I want to share like this, and it's the Beatles. You know, think about this. Who Who are the leaders of the Beatles? So, you know, depending on who you ask, the answer will be different. Right. Some people will say that John Lennon was the leader of the Beatles. Some people will say it was Paul McCartney. But when we watched that documentary that came out not too long ago, they all worked collaboratively together. And during that time period, I cannot remember the name of that documentary, but was it Let It Be? uh, Get Back. Oh, it was Get Back. That's what it is. So... When we were watching the Get Back sessions and we were watching them create and watching them collaborate, like then the other day we were driving around and the Beatles channel was on in the car and they were talking to Paul McCartney and he was saying that at that time he just had a lot to say and Mm -hmm. like had a lot of content that he brought to the band, but they all contributed in songwriting and music both. Like they're like it's kind of confusing like who really is really is the leader leader of the beatles right and even john lennon would say well i kind of acted as the leader there for a while just because i was the oldest well and and paul in the documentary says you've always been the leader uh, oh right when they like when they got crossed they have a sidebar conversation a separate conversation and paul makes that state because john's like i'm not the leader of the band and, and Paul, Paul makes said, a statement, you've all, you've always kind of been the leader of the band. Right, you've so always kind of been that guy. Even if us. you ask one of the Beatles who the leader is, you you might get a different answer. <laughs> you might get different answers depending on the day. But you think about, you know, the Beatles have, the first Beatles album that I ever owned, like myself, I listened to all the, all the music, but the first one that I actually ever owned was 
uh, the Beatles won, and it's their number one hits. Right. It's just a collection of all their number one hits. And there's so many good songs on there. You know, Come Together is a number one hit. That's my favorite. That's um, one of my favorites. You know, Lady Madonna. I love uh, She too. Loves You, Hard Day's Night. Like, um, yeah. you know, there's all these great, fantastic songs on there, along with something. And something, something is, is written different. by George Harrison. It's a George Harrison It's song. the only number one hit song that, like, the Beatles wrote you know, or, or performed and recorded, that wasn't, like, start, it, it wasn't a John Lennon and Paul McCartney original. It was a it George, was a George Harrison, Harrison original. original. And you think about other George Harrison songs, like, um, I Me Mine, off the Let It Be album, um, what's the, the other one I'm thinking of, uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Mm. You know, you think about some of these songs that are that are considered some of the greatest songs to ever be written, but they're not written by who we would consider the leaders of the band. Well, and I find it interesting, too, when we talk about the Beatles, every single one of them had individual ventures that we heard about. Yeah. Like, everybody has their own career. Like, yeah. when they split up, it didn't necessarily, like, just completely obliterate their band. Like... Right. It it helped it helped elevate the stuff that they had created together, but it carried momentum into what they were doing individually. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like it, that's healthier. Like, when yeah. you can go out and have a an adventure by yourself... And then come back together as part of the group. I feel like that's empowering. Right, right. I agree. Um, I mean, I so I think you and I could go on and on. We could find example after example. Find like I'm thinking of a couple more right now. But like we want to connect this back to education and right? how we to not and how to lead. Not being the leader of the band. Not being the leader of the band. Okay. And how can you? How how can you still make a difference? How can you still contribute to the band, which in this case would be the school? Okay, so let's define terms. The band okay. is the school. The band is the school. Okay. And that would, and I think that would include, you know, you know, staff, faculty of the school. Students, you students, know, staff, faculty, students, staff, faculty, like you know, everybody who works necessarily. At so, like, the school. school is a like a little microcosm. Okay, right. So, traditionally, who is the leader? Like the leader of the band. So, traditionally, I think we could agree that it would be the principal, the principal. of the school. Okay, so then we say, okay, the last what two schools that we've worked at, three, maybe more for you have had what they call instructional councils, mm -hmm. right? Yes, like, pretty pretty common, yeah. So, or like a leadership team. They It has so many, it, it like, can, yeah, it has so leadership, many instructional council. Leadership yeah. council, instructional council. Okay, like, um, what's the other one that they use? Oh, department chairs. Mm -hmm, like higher yeah, ed, yeah, yeah. like higher ed will often use like depi department chairs. Right. So, okay, and they come together and they're part of the like collective decision making about goals or directions or focuses or 90 day plans or whatever. Right. Okay. So the leader of the band is typically the principal traditionally. So what if you are not 
a department chair? What if you are not an instructional council member? What if you are not a principal? Basically, you're just a regular teacher, even possibly a first-year teacher. How do you... Where do you go from where there? Where do you How go do from you there? How do you from there? How do you inspire change? And First and foremost, I have to say this. I love first-year teachers. Uh-huh. Like, like, I have 20 years in this game. Like... 20 years is big. So I feel like I see a lot of times where veteran teachers do this a lot, just kind of organically, where it's like, well, I've been here at this school for 12 years or, you know, oh, my favorite, right? Oh, if I could have, if I could have just had the perfect response in that moment that wouldn't have gotten gotten me fired. Well, after 18 years, you kind of figure it out. Oh, I so wanted to punch that teacher. When she said that to a young teacher, I was standing right there and I was mortified. Um, How do you lead as a first year teacher? I saw somebody do it really well. Do you remember Sunshine Committee? Oh, yes. (laughs) So I, I, I was not. the st- I I was the stormy cloud over their sunshine <laughs> committee. I, I, it's no offense to the sunshine committee, you know. They're okay. So so sunshine committee took care of things like birthday parties. Um, you know, if there was somebody sick, they all they, of the appreciation days. All of the appreciation days. If Plans there was somebody for funerals, food for sick, funerals. Yeah, they organized like, things for like that. Basically, they social committees. Social committees. They t- they. It's like taking care of the well-being of the staff. Uh, right. So, the two big... You and I are the two biggest introverts I have ever met. Right. Like, yeah. I think... Actually, I think there's one person that we know that's probably a bigger introvert than all of us, and I love him for it. Yeah. So, but we are definitely top five of the biggest introverts you have ever met. So, can you imagine, like, putting introverts on your social committee? I hate that. Like, yeah, that's not for me. It, like, and if I can't choose my committee, like, I'm going to choose something else. I'm going to choose assessment or academics or, right. you know, pacing guides. I'm going to pick something super crazy or scheduling. I always mm-hmm. love to volunteer to do, like, master scheduling and time scheduling and all that yeah. stuff. Because it, oh, that is satisfying to me. But social committee, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. <laughs> yeah. But... There, so nobody wanted to do social committee because everybody gripes, right? Yeah. Nobody's Nobody was ever happy that year that we were on social committee. Nobody was ever happy. They didn't like the cakes we brought in. They didn't like the food we provided for like PD days. Like there was just, everybody was like, rah, rah, rah. social committee grumpy, is so sad. Yeah. Do you remember who took over that committee? Oh yeah. It was a first year teacher yep. who had all of this like, I love everything teaching and like, just had the sunshine that that committee needed right and she could lead in that moment of like oh i have this great idea to be nice to the kids i have this great idea to be nice to teachers like that having a first year teacher lead a social committee or a sunshine committee or to spread like wonderful things right all like all the things school because first year teachers a lot of them are excited about all of the things like they're gonna love going and putting together back to school bags like you know what i mean like oh there's a different energy with there's a different energy and if you can if you can 
that uh, first if you time. Can harness it's that it. first time you go to the to the section at Target and go to the school. You and know, they buy all the things. And they buy all the things because I did things. that. I bought all the things. All the things. Know. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever went to the teacher supply store and found out that it was on my way home from like between where I lived oh, yeah. and school. Oh gosh, nice. I left that place. I to this day I have every type of dice you could ever imagine. I have. 10-sided dice, I have dice inside dice, like, I literally would go by there almost monthly and buy new dice, like, I, anyway, but I feel like first-year teachers have this energy of, like, I love all things school, Yeah. so they're great for things like decorating parties and, and, you know, setting up, you know, events and back-to-school things, and I feel like all it takes is some veteran teacher or some school leader to just go ask like literally just ask them they would be so excited well some of them unless they're like you and I where it's like causing an anxiety induced like oh my gosh please don't ask me to do this yeah. like <laughs> you know you kind of again that has to we go back to relationships is always the foundation. Yep. But like if you have a brand new teacher on your staff that's extroverted and, you know, excited and has energy and stuff, even your introverts will have energy and excitement for that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like not to not to bag on introverts because I am one. But like they're like right now I have that energy where I'm kind of excited about things, like all the newness and stuff. I could probably do something like put together -y, but and do it big but there's a teacher out there and it here's the other thing what if it's not a first year teacher right I was, I what was if thinking that what if somebody's what if it's a fourth year teacher their fifth year their fourth year exactly so okay so in my observations and they are scientific by no means your first year is surviving your second year you're like you've you've tweaked and gone all the way over to the opposite side. So you've overcorrected. Mm -hmm. So first year is surviving, second year is overcorrection, third year is centering. Yeah. Fourth year is like, oh, I got this. So it may be like a third or fourth year teacher who finally has like footing under them. Yeah. Where they've like they've got it, they've got their sea legs, they are and now they're ready to be like a full-blown pirate and I just think for like me, go all the things. I think for me it was my fifth year when I think about it. Um, you know, I taught those three years in Albuquerque, one year in Aztec, and then it was that next year that I felt like I really... Was innovating. I felt like I could really, yeah, go from just teaching to innovating and, you know, creating experiences for kids. And you know, continue to follow that up the ne within the next couple of years. You know that I was in the classroom, but yeah, you're right. Um, you know, it, and it was during that time. You know, I'm not bragging on myself or anything like that, but that was when people started coming to me for more advice. You know, I started asking for help. Asking for help. Hey, what can I do about this student? Hey, I need tips for you know teaching writing or teaching math or whatever. Um, you know, I invited a lot of teachers to come in and, and see what I was doing um, because, I, again, I felt like I had hit my stride and I was at that point. My third and fourth year is when I started volunteering for things. Okay. I volunteered for, like, homework committee. Okay. I volunteered for, like, in 
homework committee was like restructuring school routines. I volunteered for assessment for um, the assessment team that was gonna assess first graders in social studies content and like I signed up for curriculum, yeah. like adoption committees and like, so it was my third and fourth year when I started stepping out and was able to like help and like volunteer and you know, I worked with PTO, I, you know, I, I was creating stuff in my, probably my third, like definitely my fourth year. I had more guest speakers in my fourth year oh, than yeah. I've ever had. Like I, it was like, oh, this person would be a great person to come in and, you know, do this. And like, so my fourth year, I was really innovating. So mm -hmm. it may not be a very first year teacher that could be a leader. For like stuff like that, it might be a fourth year. It might be someone who's finally fourth found, or fifth, found their footing. When they've crossed that threshold into innovating. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like, again, when you have, when you find somebody in your school who has all of this energy to give away, like introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. They have stuff, they have this innate want to give things away. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to give my time here. I want to give my time here. Instead of le letting them just exhaust themselves by putting themselves on every plate, if somebody went to them and said, hey, can you spearhead this? Can you be in charge of this one thing right. and do it like the whole hundred? Like that's that's a way to lead from the middle. That's a lead, way to lead from from like the, the right. bottom. Right? Yeah, and one thing at a time. One like, thing at a time. Like, like, uh, what is it that Ron Swanson says? Never half-ass one thing, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> or never half-ass two things, whole-ass whole one thing. thing. Um, I don't yeah. know that I want to take advice from Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson's a wise man. You think so? Well, you haven't seen... I haven't seen Parks You haven't Parks seen and Parks and Rec. You no. would like Ron Swanson a lot. I, that one's a hard one for me. I know it's hard. I'll show you clips of Ron Swanson okay. later. Just so you Maybe some know. isolated clips so that I know. Yeah. Because that's a hard a Ron show Ron Swanson compilation. Through. Anyway, back to the lecture at hand. Uh, so leading, leading when you're not, okay, so. Leading when you're not. When, leading when you're not the guy. Or, so I've read two books. Okay. About, um, one of them is Leading Vertically by Craig Johnson. He's director of ministries for Lakewood Church. And so when I lived and worked in Houston, that's the church I went to. And I remember when that book came out and his book's focus was like how to get volunteers mm -hmm. into ministry and um, how to empower people. Yeah. And so he, it literally was like how to inspire people to come together. And it was one of those of like the people below you. So it's like training things like train your replacement oh, so right. that you can like move up. So it's not, it's like, don't. And I saw this happen in a school with you not too long ago. And I remember having this conversation with you. So we had this, we had a science lab in yeah. our, in our school where the science specialist would come like would come and sign up with teachers to like come take their kids to the lab, yeah. right? And so they would go have lab time with the science specialist and the teacher would like help or whatever. And there was one day after a class, one of the teachers said to the science specialist, I want to know how to do more things in here so that I can start taking my kids on a regular basis 
into the site because they love it so much, right? Yeah. So automatically we have student engagement, we have student interest, we have a teacher who shows willingness and desire to stretch and grow and take risks, right? And the answer that day made me angry again. I was so disappointed. And it was this specialist who literally the response was, well, just keep signing, like, just keep putting it on my calendar and I'll come over any day. Like, and I'll teach you, I'll teach your kids whatever lesson you want. And I was like, you literally just cut that teacher off. Yeah. Like you're the you're now the king hoarder of all the science lab information. Right. You are the only resource willing like able to, you know, dispense the learning. And I'm like, right. Why didn't no, you give it away? There was no empowerment there. No. Why didn't Why didn't you give it away? That would be the perfect like lead vertically thing, where the people below you, like you can't just be the all important holder of this spot what if that teacher is the person that takes over for you when you become the head of curriculum so it's all about promotion like as you start looking as that science specialist you know starts looking for the next position maybe he goes up into district leadership that leaves a vacancy at science specialist what if it was that teacher that day who was so excited about science and the science lab and seeing her kids get engaged. What if that produces a passion to be the next science specialist? So it's all about training your replacement and giving away what you have so that you can get more as you move up, the people behind you move up behind you. Right. Leadership leadership should, again, so I go back to, to, August Burns Red and his contributions Brett Brent's contributions to the band what he gives away to the band makes the band grow makes yeah. the band evolve makes the band you know um, very creative you know and so it does go back to that I think leadership has to be empowering like you have to like and you don't have to be the guy you don't have to you be don't the have guy. to be the principal you don't have right. to be the assistant principal you don't have to be an instructional coach you don't have to be a, an, a, a specialist to give away some piece of knowledge that's valuable there are first-year teachers that I love hanging out with who have new ideas that I think to myself I think I'm gonna try that so Literally, you can flip it on its end where you have somebody brand new to the industry can give you, can be a leader by giving away new knowledge or new resources, new tools. You know, there are teachers that I know who can barely check their email, much less run a smart board and, you know, projector (laughs) systems and, you know, digital tablets and, you know, all of the things. Right. And when you work in a school like I'm at now... Where, oh, so many of the things. We have brand new laser cutters and 3D printers. I don't know how to use those. We have green screens. We have podcasting boots. I don't know how to run any of those things. And so there are going to be teachers that come in to our school who know how to use those things. So they may have less experience than I do, but they may know more about a certain area where they become an expert, right? the expert effect, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I feel like there's a way to lead in the middle. Now, 
I read a second book. And again, these are not educational books, but like you could totally read them. And um, not that I want to like, I don't want, I don't want to disinclude, like I don't want to like exclude. I said disinclude. Like, <laughs> I'm not making up my own grammar, grammar rules. I don't want to exclude anybody who may be a faith outside of our faith. So I don't want to exclude, you know, Jewish people or Muslim people or Taoists or Buddhists or Hindus from reading these books. It's just that these were the books that that were presented to me mm-hmm. and they are our faith. So the second book I read was, um, it was written by like an assistant pastor. So like he talked about how he, leading from the second position actually was like a help to like the main guy. So one of the simplest ways for anybody to start leading from the from a lower position or the middle or the bottom is to take on that idea of being a helper. Yeah. And you know, Fred Rogers, yeah. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, mm-hmm. the helpers are sacred. Like in times of crisis, always look for the helpers. So how meaningful is it to ask somebody, what what does our school need help with? Right. Is there something we need help with? Is there something I can do to help? I think that's another way to like, identify leaders but also to be a leader yeah. like if you want to step out and you want to lead from the middle go find a place where you can help somebody right so yeah. so leadership is empowering but leadership is ser- in, a, in a way we could say I believe, servanthood. In, I believe in servant leadership it's, servanthood. it's, yeah. it's being it's ready to help and being ready to serve yeah. I so servant leadership is definitely a core of my belief because why would I ask you to jump down in that ditch and dig that ditch with a shovel and me not be willing to get down in the mud with you. Right. And I I have to say, like, my dad was that way, where my dad was the first guy to be like, you know what, we'll just jump down here and we'll dig it out by hand. And he was the first guy in the ditch, he was the first guy with a shovel, he was the first guy to get muddy, and then he would literally teach other people along the way, hey, grab this and come do this with me. Hey, come grab this and do the, you know, I mm-hmm. saw him do that many a day where he would right. he would jump, be the first one to jump in and start problem solving and then invite other people in to help with pieces mm-hmm. of that problem solving so if if I just believe in being the first servant like right. you know um, being the first helper I feel like that helps now what happens <laughs> what happens when there's nobody else so Obviously, in a school, you may or may not have vocational teachers, right? Mm -hmm. If you have vocational teachers, especially in an elementary school, you may only have one music teacher. Right. Who helps that teacher? There may be only one PE teacher. Who helps that teacher? There might be only one, like, art teacher. I was alone for a lot. Yeah. Um, And I remember there were three of us in the district... Um, that we used to work with and when we would get together it was a whole lot of like well what are we supposed to do and I absolutely loved to see over time how the middle school teacher of the three of us there I was the elementary teacher there was a middle school teacher and there was a high school teacher and this middle school teacher came in new and he literally started kind of asking questions at first and it was 
how do you do this? Okay, well, like, they're talking about this at our schools and these are our goals. Like, how do we, like, how do we accomplish that? He started by asking questions and bringing people into the problem solve. So it was a lot. Mm. I recognized I recognized that as my dad's process, right? Yeah. And then he really, as he started, like, asking questions, then it became, he became more and more empowered to bring us together and, like, be the first to volunteer. Hey, let's have a meeting. Let's get together at my room. Hey, I'm going to... I'm going to stop by and get some snacks. Y'all come over after school today. Like, hey, I was thinking about this. What do y'all think? Like on an email thread. He he just very organically started helping others. And then mm-hmm. he became the de facto leader. Yeah. If you build it, they will come. Right? Right. So he built an email thread. He built an open line of communication. He built a safe space for us as art teachers to walk in and talk about issues that only we were seeing and experiencing with our content. Um, And I I found that like, as I went looking for professional development and resources that were truly impactful and meaningful to my content, because not, when you go to PD, like not every PD that schools give is meaningful for the PE teacher or the art teacher or, you know, some of our, our music, you know, our music teachers, like some of it just doesn't translate. Like, like it's, some of it just doesn't work. Um, and so we need stuff that kind of fits our content sometimes. So I felt like very much like the tennis player who's alone on the court with nobody to hit with. So I turn around and use the backboard yeah like so at our growing up when I played tennis there's a big there were big plywood sheets on the back fence yeah and so you could hit the ball and it would bounce back to you so you just played against yourself with the backboard so as an art teacher I started you know looking for my own PD looking for different resources and so the way that I was able to help lead in our group of three was I became the, hey, I found this new thing guy. Like, hey, I found this conference. Hey, I found this book. Hey, I found this resource. Hey, I found this website. Yeah. Um, And so I became like kind of the librarian, if you will, or the media person or whatever. So again, it it goes back to how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? How can I help you with with what you How can I help us? Yes. How can I help us? Um, so I feel like there's a way to, and I feel like there's a way to lead even now, like as a veteran, mm-hmm. like, you know, like after 20 years, like kind of, I kind of figured it out. Like I'm at a new school, but school 101 is still the same. Right. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It, your management still stays the same. Your management kind of yeah. stays the same. Um, I have different things to manage now. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's still that management. With, that comes with stuff with you know, yeah. changing spaces and all that. Instead so, of having yeah. one sink that needs to be cleaned, I have three. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's that. So, but again, I, I've, I've seen veteran teachers and I've experienced veteran teachers where they just walk up and they go, oh, here's my file on that. 
or here's my my worksheet and I say that with a terrible look I on my know. face like uh, like I stepped in something gross like here's the worksheet I use for this or you know like the teacher I wanted to punch in the mouth <laughs> oh after 18 years you just learn how to do it well that's not helping this teacher who's in tears right now like right, exactly. that's not real help yeah you know and so just handing me your worksheet and just telling me I'll figure it out later right isn't truly helpful and you know what though and, and something to un what's it called unsolicited help like when you just when you insert yourself into the situation to offer help when they haven't actually asked you for help you have to be careful about that you have to be really careful about that because if i think until they come to you and explain what they need help with you don't know what's going on yeah you know? yeah and that's just bad news. Because it doesn't, like, the issue doesn't always present itself because the tree, the fruit on the tree, like, it might, there might be something wrong with the root system that right. you can't see. So you can't ever judge, you can't really ever judge it until you, like, until right. somebody talks to you. So, and I go back to Ron Clark on that. Like, if you ask for advice, you're going to get help. Yeah. If you ask for help, you're going to get advice. I, that was right. in was that in the end of molasses classes? I think so. I think that book was. was really impactful for me. So I want to say it was probably the end of molasses classes. Yeah. If you ask for advice, you're gonna get help, and if you ask for help, you're gonna get advice. So I I always when I go to somebody, I'm like, hey, I got a problem. Like, can you have my can you can you give me some advice? What are your thoughts on this? Like, because you want help. Because I want help. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, for me to even ask for help is kind of a hard thing. Like, I always just usually go, Tracy, you have a big enough brain and a strong enough brain in your head. Like, you just need to sort it out. And well, and that it. comes too with being <laughs> a solo artist, pun intended. Right. Is uh, I try to figure this out. Right. Like, as you try to figure this out on yeah. your own, you know. Well, and then I married you, so. You and I are in the same industry. We've worked together. We have a good working relationship. So there are a lot of times when a problem comes up and when I get home and we're at home and we go through our daily like, like our daily dump, right? Because we do that as teachers. Like right. we, once we get through our daily dump, then we can like eat dinner and like go about our like evening or whatever. But when we go through our daily dump session, I always ask you, to help me sort that out. There's a lot of problem solving that goes on. It's not just venting. No, it's not venting. Like, it's sorting out my brain and like, hey, how do I... I need you to help me work yeah, on this. Yeah, this happened today. So, I don't know if I handled it right. What do you I, think? I yeah. feel like I have a secret weapon in being married to you a little bit where it would be more difficult if I was a teacher married to an architect or, you know, a stock trader right. who has no idea it helps cause it I, helps because we're both like, we're both teachers we understand this and we we're on the same kind of like path yeah. so as a veteran like i can help in real ways right when people ask or whatever i can help but here's one of the things that i saw early on um in my career is teacher led professional development mm. in any school again we go back to the expert effect right yep so in my shout out to grace mckinney and zach rondo expert effect that's that book right yep. and those are the authors oh 
huge book. So in a campus right now, if in our little microcosm, right, of our school, yeah. there's a teacher that knows how to teach probability for first grade math really well. There's a, there's a teacher who knows how to teach the writing process or the writing workshop really well. There's a teacher that knows how to teach phonics really well. Right. There's a teacher who they, knows how to teach, I don't know, some third grade science thing. Right. Erosion or weather. Oh, I love, or the water cycle. The water, water cycle's cycle is my favorite. Yeah. Um, so there's somebody that knows how to teach that really well. So for me early on, the teacher next door to me, um, she was really good at teaching like um, guided math and she mm. would do small groups with math and she had the most incredible math manipulatives where like she had a bowl of like that was foam pieces, craft foam yeah. that was cut into uh, salad pieces. So there was like green lettuce and red tomato mm. slices and there was mushrooms and cucumbers yeah. and all kinds of like stuff. So she had a bowl full of foam salad pieces. They all had numbers on them. And the kids would come to the small group with a little paper bowl and she had a pair of tongs and they would serve themselves a serving of salad. And then whatever their objective was, whether it was addition or subtraction or multiplication or whatever, they would then start putting together their lesson from those pieces. Right. Incredible math teacher incredible results she, the kids learned how to do math in a really great way so I figured out she was going to other schools and she had found this list of like oh this teacher is going to be teaching multiplication with number cubes or you know dice and all that stuff and so I was like hey I want to go to that workshop with you yeah. and so this school had a network of workshops that were all taught by teachers they weren't specialists. They weren't paid to be, you know, the math interventionist or the reading interventionist. They were teachers and right. they had a workshop schedule that were at different different schools. So if we're talking about one school, if I were a principal, if I were an assistant principal, if I were a teacher leader or an interventionist or a specialist, I would start compiling a list of teachers and what they're really good at. So, maybe you have a teacher that's really good at running an LMS, right? Like Google Classroom or Canva or whatever. Yeah. Maybe that teacher teaches the other teachers how to how to use this really efficiently and effectively. Yeah. Maybe there's one teacher who's really good at teaching writing, like, I don't know how to say it, like, responding to questions with text evidence. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that teacher puts on a workshop, and then it becomes a make and take, right? Yeah. So back in my very first school, all of those teacher-led workshops became make and takes. Okay, so we're going to show you guys how to use these in all these different situations. So we learned how to use the salad bowl, right, in five different ways, six different ways. Yeah. So then here's all the stuff make you a salad bowl you leave here with a completely made manipulative that you can now incorporate in your classroom right. make tomorrow yeah. like make and take it, you know so the, it has a make and take you yeah know, the first school that i was at did that pretty well um also i remember a couple times there were there, so the committees they had they had like sunshine committee obviously um 
every school's got a sunshine committee. Um, but they we had, all need love. But they, they departmentalized it into subjects. So they had a writing committee, reading committee, and a mm. math committee. Um, and How easy would it be for them to like... Well, that's what happened. Find those that's what happened. Could give so workshops. there were two things that for sure they had to do, that each committee had to do. So the first one was there had to be like a reading night or a writing night and a math night. Um, and that was, of course, part of... Um, those are some of the requirements of Title I schools as well. You have to have a Title I reading night. Yeah. But then writing and math are always kind of, you know, you know, it's it's a good idea to lump them in there. They're great and they're fun and kids, kids and families get to interact together. It's a really great time. Um, so that was one thing they had to do. The other thing was they had to give some sort of presentation and uh, everybody there had to leave with some kind of resource. So each teacher, I remember the writing committee, there was one teacher who was like, uh, this is all about, like, this. I'm going to show you how I make books with kids, like make their own books, and then these turn into journals or, like, you know, poetry stuff. Like, you can, you know, do them however. There was another teacher who, um, you know, talked about uh, writing poetry, actually. You know, it was like, we need to get kids to write poetry more, and, like, I know we have poetry units. So he gave a presentation on that because all the teachers there hated teaching poetry. Um, so uh, this teacher gave this, this thing, and everyone could leave with something, you know, mm -hmm. after that day. Very similar to what you were describing. Yeah. So it's, so that there goes back to the Beatles, who's the leader at the school now. It's the teachers. It's, it's the all teachers. Of them. It's everybody. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and I miss those days. Yeah. And I don't know if I miss them because I'm now like an art teacher. Art, but like the the state conferences and the national conferences and um, a lot of the like online conferences that are available for my content, they have workshops like that where it's like, okay, we're going to show you how to do this. Like I went to one on plaster where um oh like let's show you how to do this and then you're gonna leave yeah. like with this you know thing and so i feel like that happens a lot for my content just because i'm a makerspace yeah i teach the science of creativity yeah. i have to have we have to have makerspace professional development but i also think too just in like walking around school and stuff I don't see when I start first started teaching, foldables were a big thing. Uh -huh. Who was the lady that did foldables? Uh, was that Marilyn something? No, I can't remember. Her name. I don't. Yeah, foldables were just kind of like foldables, going out when I started. When you teaching. started, oh, see, they were like, like the so new big thing. It was so it was in my fifth year. I was doing foldables, and the next year was like. Google Classroom was like the big thing and then the pandemic hit. But I remember doing foldables then still like, and and just re having that realization like this isn't working anymore. <laughs> so I need to change it up. So the kids have done it so much. The kids have done it so much that it's like, it's not fun anymore for them. I saw a teacher foldable her kid to cl her class to death. Where you it was can. like every single yeah. assignment is like a foldable. I've seen it overdone. Yeah. But when I first started teaching, foldables were like, the, it was like a big thing. Yeah. But more so than anything, I think it was just hands-on experiential learning. Yeah. Like, again, this idea of creating an experience. Yeah. And I don't know if that's why 
it, I don't know if that's why it's one of my core, like my core marbles, like from inside out. If I had core marbles, uh-huh. I have one that's like rainbow colored. <laughs> like I have a little puking rainbow unicorn inside me. Yeah. Who's like, we need to give them a magical experience. Like, so I think that's one of my core people that's inside of me is this magical experience. Because when I first became a teacher, it was well, what experience are they getting? Like, right. What what hands-on learning are they ha- are they experiencing? So, right. I feel like because there was this huge push for like all of this stuff, we really like saw teachers step up and and step up to lead some of these things. Let me share my knowledge with you. Let me give this away. And I feel like. Even going back even further, this is going to date me and tell people how old I am. But when I first went to college, my freshman year, I heard about this thing called the internet. And it was the information superhighway, right? And the main goal was to share information. And it was to share things. Like, you know, people who are separated could share things. And obviously, fast forward, here we are in 2022, but I feel like I'm a member of groups on Facebook and Twitter for our teachers and teachers in general that are like, hey, here's this for this. Hey, I made this for this. Like, those Bitmoji people, oh my goodness. (sighs) I don't know what they do. Like, I feel like they work a 36-hour day. Because they have new content and new stuff every day. Every day, yeah. it seems like. Or yeah. anytime they create something new, they put it out and share it to other people. Yeah. And then there are people that literally need help. Does anybody does anybody have, you know, that this? was me. Does that, anybody that have was, this? That was does anybody me. have yeah. this? I reached out. Yeah, that was me. I reached out to Twitter, asking for help with the science lesson. Yeah. And. Becky Schnexer was the one who answered and was like, hey, I can help you. Like, what's your question? Let me help you. Yeah, shout out to Becky Schnexer. Hey, Becky. Um, So, yeah. So, I feel like, I just feel like I'm distracted by this thought of Becky and her little, like, Lego person. Her Lego person. I keep reminding myself at least once a week that I need to pack my Lego person for the upcoming Teach Better conference so that I can do a Lego thing with Becky. With Becky. Like I want to do a Lego thing. I want my Lego to like be friends with her Lego. Aww. Like so I yeah, I want to do a thing. So anyway, I just keep that was, that's my weekly reminder of like you have to pack your Lego person. So uh, and it's July and the and we're the conference is in October. How yeah. many weeks am I gonna remind myself to pack this Lego person? You can't let me forget her. <laughs> I will. So, I will. Anyway, so back to this. But like, I feel like I feel like there's a way as a teacher who has a great idea to share. And so, start with the people around you. Start with your grade level teams. Start with your content teams. You know, start with you know the people that are around you and. It might happen. I've been at a school where when you shared things, there were some old, crusty gargoyles mm-hmm. that were like, no, I've got my purple worksheet, like, and it's going to be fun. Just go, just go do it. Just, just, right. let them, just 
Let them sit in all of their ditto well, machine. Wonderful. Well, and Just sometimes keep they need to see. Sometimes they need to see the results of it before right. they actually try it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people get comfortable, and yeah. change is hard. But there are people too that there are people out on the, in the internet that you can help. You yeah. don't just have to help in your school yeah. because now we have things like Zoom and Google Meets and right. you know all of these all this, these different ways of, of communication, Boxer and you know Facebook groups yep. and, and you know Twitter. You know, Twitter has uh, even has like little groups that you can set up now where you follow, like you can tag people. Like, I just want to follow these people and all that. You can interact with them and create that little group. Twitter's hard for me. See, Twi- you're the expert but at Twitter, but, but Twitter's the point, hard for but me. But the point is that whatever social, whatever media, social media, media you, you, whatever social media tool you're using, there's a way to interact with people. Yes. Um, Go film a TikTok video because I yeah. guarantee there are teachers that are TikTok teachers. Some of yeah, our new exactly. teachers, they're like TikTok teachers, our brand new teachers, they're TikTok teachers. So go put your stuff on TikTok yeah. because it might impact them. Um, I know of right now, just this month, five different online professional development workshops for music teachers, art teachers, regular ed teachers, um, STEM teachers. Um, and then there's another one for, I think it's, it's, no, it's our teachers. So there's four, there's five, five conferences going on for four different types of teachers, right? Yeah. So there's an online workshop, online professional development out there. Sign up to present. Right. Right. Share what if you know. If you have a great idea, show what you like. Show what you know. Show what you know and show help you know. somebody else. Like, Don't we all love show and tell? Well, you know that's the thing <laughs> is that the last Teach Better conference that was the big message, you know, that I took away, or one of the big messages. I, there was a lot that was going on at that conference, but one of them that really impacted me was Adam Welcome saying that same thing. Like, you have stuff to share. Like, start sharing it. Like blog it, podcast it, like present it at a conference, like present it at your school. Like, Set up your own YouTube write, channel. YouTube channel, write a book, like, you know, like you can, you are a leader. You may not be the, at the front and principals are definitely leaders. You know, principals, there's a lot of fantastic, phenomenal principals out there who are excellent leaders. So it's, we're not saying that they're not, but what we're saying here is that they might be really overwhelmed they might be overwhelmed they, they might, might be having to juggle some, some stuff they might need some support and in the leadership they may be area. well and so because i have my principal's license i can jump both sides of this fence they may have mandates that are taking that are coming from above that are that are taking them away a little bit and that they're that they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I saw this in the last year at my school where my principals really loved their staff. They really loved their kids. They really loved us. But we were in the middle of a crisis where my principal and my assistant principal were teaching two, if not three courses. Like, that's three preps. Yeah. Like, our principal, I think, was teaching two two sections. No, he was teaching a section of social studies, a section of English, I think. And then a section, I think he was teaching a section of math. Like, 
my assistant principal for sure was teaching a section of 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 math because we didn't have a math teacher yeah for like half a year so it's i don't want to say that leadership is bad it's that that they may be putting out a different fire right right now and need grace and need space and need some other people right to like help them like again i feel like we're if we're gonna make music beautiful music together then we all have to be included yeah. in it yeah. and when our kids see teachers working together and collaborating guess what that makes them want to do it makes them want to work together yeah. it makes it and it makes it okay and it also gives them an accountability. They realize that like, oh, you know my science teacher. So if I, you know, am excelling in his class and I'm coming and I'm failing your class, like something's going on and you're gonna find out. Like right. it allows them to feel safe. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. it, when they see teachers working together, then they might be more comfortable like working with teachers because yeah. I've had students who they don't want to have anything to do with teachers they've been burned so yeah. badly because they're yeah. middle school kids and they've been burned so badly by teachers or like this horrific stories that my students told me this past year of things that they've experienced in a classroom like oh my gosh it could it would it would better than the best Stephen King novel. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but like it was outright horrific some of the things that these kids have experienced yeah. in a classroom. So for them to come in and find out that I'm talking to the science teachers for the project we're working on and we're helping each other and you know, they were like, "Oh, you know them? Like you're like so they saw it and it changed the way and they were able to come talk to me about things." Yeah. Because they saw me interacting in other areas. So if we all come together, ooh, there's my favorite Beatles song. If we all come together, like, I feel like our students will be impacted positively right. by that too. So it's okay to be the new kid and it's okay to be the, you know, the veteran on the block and, you know, have seen some stuff. Like, yeah. I feel like if we do it in the spirit of helps, like, yeah, that's a way to hustle, kind of. Shout out to Peaches and Eat Feet. Um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like I just want to be a helper. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Help. Help. Help and empower. Help and empower. Help and empower. And help create content. Yeah. Like, and help create something beautiful yeah. for everybody. Like, I don't necessarily, like, I don't necessarily need my name in the lights. Like, I don't need to, like, be that guy. It, like, I don't need to be that guy. But we've talked about that, too, where, you know, I... I don't want to be well-known. I just want to be well-respected by the people who know me. Thank you. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between attention and respect. Yeah. I don't need the attention... I need, uh, to me, respect is what I'm after. Like, you know, respect the fact that I do have 20 years of ditch digging in. Like, respect yeah. the fact that I could be a principal, but I'm choosing not to be because yeah. I have other things that I'm passionate 
about or driven about or that are that are that are my heart is wanting to follow like yeah. but just because I'm not there doesn't mean that I can't do the job right so I feel like again that's another example like you don't always like yes I have a principal's license but I'm the art teacher off in the corner of the far building you know the lady in the tower who never comes down out of her like crazy workshop with no windows like right. I, I literally sit in a classroom with no windows all day like I don't know if it's raining I don't know if it's snowing I don't know like I'm just a little cave troll <laughs> right but that little cave troll has an admin degree and two master's degrees like that little cave troll can probably help you with your organization like yeah, yeah. you know that little cave troll has read, read every book published by Dave Burgess Publishing. Like, shout out to Dave, we love you. So, you know, that that little cave troll, you know, right. has something to offer too. You just might have to venture to the cave. Right. Yeah, it's like, the cave troll, like, and that was funny too, like the cave troll stepped in as the volleyball coach. Did you know that's how I became the volleyball coach at school? I don't think yeah. I, did I tell you the story? You tell me the story, yeah. Where they needed an assistant volleyball coach. And like in a bad way, they needed help. And I was standing out there doing after school duty and got caught between the principal and the athletic director. And the principal turned around and went, do you know how to play volleyball? And I went, yeah. And I was like, well, I played volleyball in middle school. And they were like, do you think you could help us? Do, do you need help? And what did I find? the best recess ever. <laughs> I literally had to work so hard. Like I didn't have a coaching license. I didn't have like any of the stuff. The season was starting so quick. I had to bust my tail to get my classes taken, my coaching classes and get myself submitted so I could have a license to be a coach on the floor to help my school. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a principal right now. I'm the, I'm the assistant volleyball coach. You know why? Right. Because it feels good to help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this has been a really great conversation, Tracy. I I so appreciate you. I love you. I I'm love so, hanging out on the couch. I love hanging you. out on the couch and talking everything about. This all is the why things. we have a daily dump. Is because, like, it just makes teaching easier when yeah. you have a buddy. I would encourage anybody to find a buddy. Not that you have to marry them. Like no, I no, but like find that. Did, but, but you should find a person not on your PLN. Like you can have a PLN, but I would encourage you to, to find somebody that you maybe work with or another teacher you know that you can physically go see and talk to or call up or text or something like that. But somebody you have somebody in your corner that can. That you can dump, you know, vent to, but in the, but with the intent to reflect. You know what I'm and saying? If you're an island teacher, you might have to reach out. Yeah, you're gonna have to you look out. You might have to look outside of your location. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, I always, I always say, you know, it's really diff. It can be really different just 20 miles apart. You know, so even though that person that's 20 miles away from you yeah. that's in your same job, like they may have a different perspective. Right. So find your buddy. Right. Like, yeah. find somebody. Find somebody. Just find a buddy. Yeah. 
Step out, be brave, and be a helper. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be the lead singer to be a leader of the band. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. This has been a conversation from the couch. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I hope that you'll check out previous episodes, and I hope that you'll share this with a friend or a colleague.